Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to kick off another episode of our Ohio University Sports Administration series, Life After Court Street. And excited to have our guests on in Wade Martin and Andy Dolich. Uh, Andy, co-host of the podcast as well, but excited to have two Bobcats on that both incredible careers, incredible journeys, uh, and, and plenty of lessons and insights to share. So nonetheless, uh, Wade, Andy, you've both spent time in multiple places uh, in the, you know, within both, uh, we'll call it the U.S. and Canada. Um, excited to have you on to talk about it. Well, I would just start out, and Wade, it's great to have you uh, with us today, uh, mentioning early before we started recording that if Ohio University made a map, and I've pled with people at OU, please make this map of every city that the men and women of Ohio University have worked in, that would be an incredible uh, opportunity for people to see what you have to do in the less than glamorous side of sports, both college, pro, et cetera. Right, Wade? You hit it on the head, Andy, and thanks for having me, guys. I think my son just turned two. He's lived in two countries and two states. Um, <laughs> our movers showed up in Vancouver in August, having been there 366 days prior to move us in. <laughs> Gord and his wife know us by name. I know their, their coffee order. And my wife said, this is awesome we can't do this in 366 days from now. So, uh, but every experience I've been a part of has added so much value to me as a person, as a professional. I'm really thankful for everywhere I've been. And that brings up, I think, uh, an, an, an issue that is really important, is never taught in school. You have to learn it yourself. And that's the balance between family and career. And, you know, we, we can talk about where we've been and all that, but no matter how you define family, it's so important to have that balance. And we've all seen many individuals that didn't have it and run into rocky roads. So if you could take a moment and talk about how that um, works through uh, the 366 day model. Yeah, it's, I, I don't think you have to choose between the two. You can have both and you can prioritize both. And my wife and I, my wife works in sports as well and had a, has had an incredible career. And we've, we've figured out ways to make it work. It's not always easy. Um, and, you know, we've put ourselves through a lot of stress at times, but the experiences we've gotten professionally and the experiences we've gotten personally, um, I feel really fortunate about. I think it just, you have to have constant conversations and you have to, also be open to having con uh, conversations with folks who say, hey, this is a great opportunity. And I haven't, got, I haven't run from anything in my career. I've always run to stuff. And it's been, you know, I think fairly calculated at times, but I've learned each time, you know, and we've had discussions about it. So I think it's not for everybody, that's for sure. And I, I don't judge those that haven't made moves. Um, and I would, I would hope that others don't look at me and go, well, he's had a lot of jobs. I wonder what's happened. It's like, 
we've just been open to taking on new challenges and we've learned a ton from it. Yeah. And I'm not a math genius, but in many instances, people say because of their family and, and their friends, they want to stay in city X forever. And you go, just do the math. How many opportunities are there in the world of sports in city X and how many opportunities are there in the rest of the globe? Yep. <clears throat> and I may be in one now where there's multiple and that's not necessarily been the case everywhere I've been, but that's what's great about this opportunity now is just I'll go all over the world and country, you know, working on the stuff that we've got going on at Oakview Group. Um, and that's part of the reason why we were excited about this too. It wasn't just one place. Um, it, it's a lot of places, but we can at least be centrally located. So it's, it's the same, but different in that case. Wade, you've worked for quite a few teams. And then you just mentioned you're with Oakview Group now and you have this role where you're able to work on multiple properties, multiple projects. Talk a little bit about how your team experience along the way has now helped you to the role that you're in now. Yeah, it's a great question. And one that back to the communication side and family stuff, my wife and I talked about because having been at the Bengals and Lions, I felt so fortunate because I got so much great experience and two very different organizations and franchises. But when I had a, a couple of years of um, agency experience in Chicago, I learned a lot from those, but I also learned that I really liked being entrenched in one thing, one, one culture, one organization, not always fun, not always pretty, um, but wake up and go to sleep thinking about one thing, which is making that organization better. That's not always the case of an agency because you're, you know, you're doing a lot of different stuff. So Oakland, great run, working on one very important, you know, sort of mission there. Vancouver, same thing, leading the business operations. But coming here, she, she challenged me and she said, hey, the agency side, I said, well, this is different. We're, we are, we're building Oakview Group, we as a collective, but in each of these uh, projects, we, are, we own and operate them. We, we take on every single part of the project and we build the teams associated with them. Like that to me is not, it, it's, it's mile deep and mile wide stuff. Um, or, or yeah, mile deep, mile wide stuff, like not inch deep, mile wide stuff. So it's been really, really fun to just, it's, I got three notebooks here. They're all different projects. So I can literally try to change my mind each time. I'm like, okay, where am I now? I'm in Baltimore. Nope, now I'm back in New York. Now I'm on to the next one. So it's it's really fun. How big, is, how big is the Todd Lai Wiki notebook? Is it more than a thousand <laughs> pages? And you could tell him I said so. Yeah, well, this is going to be on air, right? So um, being yeah. around those guys, it's just, it's incredible. And, you know, Tim is uh, just done transformational work with Oakview Group in a short period of time. It's it's hard not to wake up excited and it's hard not to go to bed exhausted. <laughs> Good one. Hey, Wade, real quick to talk about transitions, right? Not only transitioning your brain from one project to another, but also the transition from one opportunity to another and how you've approached them along the way. Uh, and, and Andy as well, just what goes into the thought and the approach and, and almost the intention around that transition, going into a new organization, new boss, new culture, new people, uh, you've got a new, you, you have the reputation you carry with you for, for whomever people know about that, but then you also are creating that reputation once you walk it in the door in a new place as well. Andy, do you want to start? I'm happy to, but. No, you go. So. That's a really great question, Jake. You know, I think for me, and I've just thought about this the other day, actually, you learn each time. And I think the most important thing is listening and not trying to come in and, and think that everything that's happened before you is 
not been good. Hopefully it's been great. And you're just there to make it better in some cases. And I had a, an old uh, wise alum from OU once, once say, attach yourself to a disaster. Um, and I've always taken Who that. Would that be? I don't know. He was some guy that never made it. Well, in I've created a bunch of disasters. <laughs> so maybe I've walked into a few that you've created Andy, but no, I, none of them are disasters in a bad way, but they're, they're opportunities. And in this case with Oakview Group, you know, applying what I've learned over however many different stops I've had, it's been actually great. I've tried to listen and pick up on as much because we have so much going on here. Every day is you just realize, wow, there's more and more. Um, but it's also hard to, to listen and be patient when, when you got to move fast. So that's the balance of where can you jump in and out of immediate value, but then where can you learn? Um, and with a, with a team, it's cyclical with the season. So at least you can kind of get into the cadence here. Like we're opening Baltimore in, in April, um, the arena there, UBS arena has been open for a year. We've got big, you know, opportunities and challenges there. Like there's no time to just sit back and spend 90 days and just take it all in. But I, you need 90 to 120 days to really understand, you know, the people, the culture, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think about it as a reverse funnel, you know, run to cast in disaster, which you might have been listening to at one time. And Jake has only heard it 6,814 times uh, in the conversations. But let, let's take the real world. It's all about opportunity. I mean, you want to make more money. You want to have more responsibility. How do you do that? There's, mm -hmm. there's no real book other than Loss of Logo written by Jake Hirschman and Andy Dolish, which will tell you how to do that. Uh, go to Amazon and order it right now. Is that okay, Jake? Perfect. Um, but um, think about it as a reverse funnel. So in, you know, in a few weeks, there will be a new Major League Baseball World Series champion. That week, how many resumes will that team get? Tens of thousands. Uh, let's take my former team, the Oakland A's, that didn't really have a spectacular season and throw in Tampa and a few other teams. How many resumes will they get that week? Less than the world champion. Where's your opportunity? The funnel for the world champion has tens of thousands and it all gets jammed in the bottom part. If you turn the funnel upside down, your resume goes to the organization in very, uh, efficient fashion to be seen by a lot of people and probably get a response that's sort of the way that i look at it yeah and it's it's um where you can make an impact too for me that's what i've always felt like there have been places i've been that have fun titles and great opportunities and experiences um but you start to realize like i i've maybe made as much impact here as i'm able to not because i'm not capable of making more but because the organization is not in a period where they they can take on more their external forces or whatever. So that's always driven part of it as well, as far as where I can make a significant impact. Cause that's where my, I drive my fulfillment. Yeah. And, you know, if we stick with the A's for a second, you know, a, a OU grad, uh, somebody will go, Oh, I want to be Billy Bean. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Uh, Billy is Billy Bean. He's been there for 20 plus years. Um, hmm, probably not. Look at the attendance numbers. They need people that can sell season tickets, that can sell sponsorships, that can work in operations. They might hire 20 or 30 of those people. Isn't yeah. that where the opportunity yeah. is? 
Yeah, for sure. It's all about the, the people too. And if you can be around someone like Billy Bean and learn a little bit and take what they're doing on that side and apply it to what you're doing, great. But yeah, you're not going to unseat Billy. What's, what's the one, Wade, when you think about impact, you mentioned, you know, thinking about what you're doing transformationally as you walk into an organization, whether it's, you know, finding that opportunity or, or making good to great, whatever it might be. When you think about impact and going from place to place to place versus staying in one place for a long time, how do you look at the opportunity once you take it? Is it a couple of, you know, do you look at your career in two-year windows, three, four-year windows? As you've progressed, have, have you looked at it differently? Um, probably at different points I have, Jake. I think that's something you do as you start to navigate your career. I think I'm old enough now where I actually made the decision consciously going into this process with Oakview Group. I was talking to a few other teams about leadership positions, and I'm going to turn 40 in February. I, it's really important to me to be somewhere that I can spend, you know, I can turn 40 and spend five to 10 years growing as a professional, being in a place where I'm going to take on a ton of experience, uh, you know, ton of new opportunities and experiences, um, but not necessarily have to move my family unless something changed, you know, in the world. And we've seen that in the last two and a half years, right? The, lot, the amount of change that we can't expect, but I don't look at it in increments. I just think that's a, um, you know, I've been places shorter than I thought, and maybe a place or two that I would have been thought I would have left sooner. So I just think if you think about it that way, it becomes it's like waiting for the water to boil. Like it's it, you know, you just don't think about it in time, think about it as experiences. And you know, sticking with what you're doing now, um, it's the micro job that people look at. This is what I want to do on this team with this team in this market. And then if you look at the purchase that has been made by Oakview in Las Vegas. I mean, what that could become, what that will become over time, that's a macro opportunity, right? Which the entire organization will be committed to once all the strategy and tactics are announced. That is the place that I wanna be because of all the opportunities. You nailed it. And that impacts everything we're doing across the globe. And we've had conversations with partners in the last 24 hours about that, because if when they help us and they work with us in one place, we're going to, that's the model that I love about what we've created is we're creating this partnership portfolio of, of family that we can then take to each of our projects. And it may not make sense for everybody, but at least they can understand where we're headed. And it's not just, well, we hope to win a world series this year. Not that there's anything wrong with that model on the team side. Um, but we have much more control given what Tim and, and Irving and our team has built to be able to use that. And I think that was what was so interesting to me. And you talk, Jake, about the impact of the, the things that you take from each experience. For me, it starts and ends with the people. And that's that was the driver for me here. And I know that's cliche, but I remember back in December, I was having a conversation with Jeff Webster, who's another Bobcat, who I've who's become more like a family member to me with his family than it has been, um, you know, professional. But we were talking about they set every record and not just in, in revenue, but in sustainability metrics and, you know, storytelling and everything with Climate Pledge Arena. And I was like, well, buddy, what do you, what's next? Like you built this thing. Well, we're going to try to, you know, bring the NBA team back and we're going to do these things at Climate Pledge and in Seattle, like it doesn't stop. And that's, that's the fun part. It's, you just build from there. So it's, it's what we talk about a lot. Um, teamwork, leadership, and trust. 
It seems real simple when you look at any organization, but boy, is it hard. But when you have it, like what you have in Oakview, you can literally talk to people around the world and cut through the crap because you've already done business and there's trust in your leadership um, that is massive and not easily done. For sure. And you just have to understand too that no place is perfect. We talk about progress over perfection. Um, our New York office is growing. Um, our East Coast owned and operated sort of projects are growing. And I think I've done a, a poor job at times of worrying about like, let's try to make it perfect as opposed to let's understanding that we're making progress. And I think if you just continue to say like, well, it's progress and you don't know what perfection looks like, then you're going to get into issues. But you can't think that you're going to go from A to Z overnight and just think it's perfect. And I think that's something that I've learned over my career as well as I approach the, the big 4-0. Wait, when you- Big 4-0, the big 4-0, is that, oh, that's an age? Is that what you're referring to, the big Yeah, I guess, although I, you know, fifth, since you just celebrated your, your big anniversary, I mean, that's- Oh, so wait a second. If you add up uh, Jake and Wade against Andy, uh, you're younger than me together. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Was that a relative dig at, uh, yeah, okay. Got all it. relative. <laughs> it's all relative, Commissioner, come on. Um, no, when, when Wade, one, one more thing for you on the um, progress side, because I think it's, it's important to understand of uh, not only from the work perspective, but also career perspective as as Andy's alluded to in different cases along the, the episode of of getting to that that larger vision of like where you want to be right and it's progress along the way of the different roles you take the different experiences as, as you've mentioned they add up along you know over time how do you how do you approach progress within the career portion of it too to go, hey, this, this role is going to teach me probably X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to get this experience and learn from this person, but it's not ultimately the job I want. Yeah, there's a balance there that I think is really important because oftentimes you hear people talk about, well, what is this job going to do for me for my next job? And I've, I haven't thought about it that way, but I've thought about what have I not had experience in doing and you know learning, but then what, where can I add value? So in Oakland, for instance, and Andy knows this well, we were, we, we believe we could build a ballpark. They still do. Now there's a whole other podcast or, or conversation Maybe about that too. Yeah. There could be some things written um, that we could read, but um, for me, it was, I really felt like that was a, if we could have done it and Andy and I talked about before I went there, that if you can be there for that, it's transformational from a career and absolutely. Unfortunately, that, that didn't take place and external factors are part of that. Um, Vancouver, not building, but did a lot of new things in the, in the, on the career side. I've not yet been to a place where I've seen pre-shovel build and an opening. And that's essentially all we're doing at Oakview Group is building. That was really important to me and doing it with people who've, who've done it before and can show me the way. Where, but I, I can also say, hey, here's some other ways to look at it. I think I could be a team president someday based on my experiences. I've always thought about that. And those are some of the conversations I've had with myself and others around my career track. But if I'm going to go be a team president somewhere someday, which is an aspiration potentially, I need to be able to build something first and be able to show that that's what I've done. And exactly. but that's the cool part about Oakview Group is I've never, 
I could be here for 15 more years and that could just be a thing of the past. And so then 15 years will seem like 15 months if you're yeah. doing it. I, I would tell all of the students, attach yourself to brick and mortar. If you can be, as we spoke a few years ago, if you can be involved from in a new venue or whatever it might be, from uh, perception to the reality, that will be an incredible magnet on your resume for the next position. Yeah, that's well said. And I, so I don't even think about what's next right now. And I mean that sincerely. I'm, I've been here two months and it feels like in some cases, two years in the case I feel like I just started and I would tell you my wife has had four questions that she would ask me moving around the country and or two countries in Canada and the U.S. number one uh 30 percent more money question mark number two are they paying for the entire move everything included number three do I have VIP parking number four am I sitting in a suite those were the four parameters of moving to the next job. It's got to make sense for, it's not a me thing. It's a, it's a we thing. And um, I'm very fortunate because my wife and now son, like they're, they're on board. So I think my parents were just excited. We're a little bit closer to Athens where they're from. And I'm excited because I can now drive to, drive to OU if I need to. Amazing. Let's talk about OU real quick. Uh, Bobcats that you've gotten to work with along the way. Andy mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast of, you know, if there was a map of where all the Bobcats worked, what a map. But then you think about, wait, all the different Bobcats you've probably worked with along the way, and, and Andy, you as well. I mean, just talk about the experience of being able to connect with people, um, not only in the, the vertical that you're in, right, whether it's the NFL or wherever, but also within your own organization and working for them. Yeah, it's the best part is just hiring and building the teams. And that's what that's what's exciting about this. I mean, starting in Cincinnati with the Bengals, I mean, it, I think the last guest you had uh, was someone that we brought on at the Bengals and has right. been there since. And yeah. just did the naming rights deal for the Bengals. Like that's so incredible um, to think back to like a conversation in my office where Ryan was at OU and we brought him over that same year, I think Jeff Webster started driving from Athens and on Sunday morning after having too much court street the night before and interning with us on game day and learning how things worked and, you know, going to Detroit, hired Jeff, um, hired a few other Bobcats along the way there. And also just was able to share the OU story with the, those folks. And so other Bobcats were hired. And then in Oakland, the first call we made was to John and Wiki and said, Hey, you're in a great spot here's an incredible opportunity for you to come out here and be a part of that. And obviously Zabo was a part of that too. And um, it's, it's always been my first phone call and it's not because it's easy. It's actually the opposite. I think it's hard when you hire people, who you know, um, as, as personal relationships, but the accountability, because the accountability is so much higher on, on both sides. And sometimes you have to have tough conversations with people who are your friends, um, but that's healthy. And I've always enjoyed that. And that's a key, you know, you just identified three families. And if we all look at our lives, we have many more than three families. And you have to spend time nurturing all of those families because you're going to trip and fall sometime during your career. Yeah. And you turn around and unless those relationships are really strong, 
it can be a very uh, defining moment in your life that you're just um, defined by your business card and not who you are. I like Mike drop podcast over Andy. That's the one thing I think that if I had to impart wisdom on students now, it's just don't worry so much about the networking part, worry about the building relationships part. And I think it was really fascinating. I was leaving the Whitecaps and one of the last games I was there uh, or last days I was there, I should say, this guy asked me, he's like, well, how do you build relationships? And it was like really thoughtful question, but I was kind of surprised that it's not intuitive, but I think the OU just family helps you so much understand that. And not everyone does it perfectly. I'm, I haven't along the way at times, but that's so critical because the relationship, rather than networking and saying, you know, people actually having strong bonds with them is so, so important. I feel really lucky that I have had a lot of those great, great times because it's not always perfect and you have to rely on folks. Andy, Wade, what's, what's your one tip or one secret to success in terms of building relationships? Because I do think that's a really interesting question, Wade. I think you pick up the phone. I don't think. I know you pick up the phone and you call people when you don't need something from them. And you don't have to do it consciously. You just like, I love, and right now it's funny because I was on the Eastern time zone then I moved to the West and it was hard to call people in the East because they're, you know, you're three hours difference. Now I'm back in the East and I'm able to talk to some people who I've missed talking to for five years, but I get phone calls from people in the West. They're like, oh, point is though, I'll think of people and go, man, I just need to check in. And it's fun to talk to people. And then sometimes things come up and you're like, oh, you know what? I was just talking to them. I should give them a shout about this. I just think there's, a, there's some people when their phone, when their name pops up in my phone, I know they need something. And I never want to be that person to someone. I want to know that they can call me anytime they need something and I'll answer and I'll help them. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, and FaceTime, FaceTime, FaceTime. And I don't mean the logo. If you can meet with people face-to-face, -face, do it as many times as you can. Uh, in the world of transitional meetings, do that. And when you're waiting online at Starbucks, always talk to the person in front and behind you because you don't know who the hell they are and what they can do. And I, I do, I'll be doing that in an hour. My wife always goes like, well, why do you talk to everybody? Like, why not? You don't know who that person is. Whenever I catch up with Andy, there's usually every other call, there's a story about someone in a Starbucks line or sitting at the Starbucks and someone walks past or and they they know who he is or whatever there's always a story but it's fascinating but I think Andy important point of that and I, I want to make sure like I think for you you don't do it in case they might be someone valuable that you can sell them something or whatever it's because they no. might be interesting and you might learn something from them and I think that's a big differentiation point of some people who think well I'll just talk to anybody because who knows maybe there's something I can get from them as opposed to, you might just be a cool person I can learn from. Exactly. I have a good friend now, and we were talking, and I go, boy, you're pretty cynical and sarcastic. Are you from Long Island? He goes, how would you know that? <laughs> and I go, well, I, I have that gene, and he's, you know, he's not in anything that can help me or all that, but we're buddies now just because we can sit there and be cynical and yeah. sarcastic all day long. Yep. I love it. Curiosity. I love it. Um, rapid fire. Let's, let's wrap up the episode. Wade, uh, best 
city you've lived in thus far? That's like the most impossible question you could ask. Fortunately, I have one child because I can just say he's my favorite. Um, they're all, they've all been awesome for different reasons. I'll say Detroit though. Um, if you ask me, obviously I'm from Athens, Ohio and spent five years in Cincinnati. I've got life, I've got family and lifelong friends from, from both those places. I met my wife in Detroit, spent three, you know, awesome years meeting people who I, to this day, I feel like are family more than friends. Um, we were there when the city declared bankruptcy and the lines are going through stuff. So there just was a lot of amazing things that happened there personally, professionally, and just in Detroit. We named our son Ford for yeah. reasons part of like, not because we drove a Ford, but. Well, at least you didn't name a Edsel. So thank you for that. <laughs> that was a second. That was our, that's going to be our second if we have <laughs> did, did you get an NIL deal with that as well? Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah, there's there's offers. We're just in negotiations. Andy, my answer, my answer is hokey, every single one of them. Because if you don't go into that city and immerse yourself in every part of that community, you're crazy. And I just think about Vancouver to Memphis. People went, oh, my God, Vancouver, one of the most spectacularly beautiful, incredible places in the world, Memphis, a big muddy river in Graceland. Are you out of your mind? Well, I have just as many friends that I still talk to in Memphis today as I do in Vancouver. I go to both places. And again, if you don't become a part of that city, then that can be a real difficult opportunity for you. Both of you are well-traveled. That was the hard part in Vancouver for us, though, Andy, because of the pandemic. Everything was so, it was like we had these beautiful thing to go out and about in, but but people were hard to connect with because yeah. of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a really interesting existence there. And so Canadians are just the nicest human beings on the face of the globe. So that was a bummer. I've heard that. Both both of you are well traveled. Where's one place that you haven't been that you want to go to? You it's go really first. Uh, man, we did Tokyo a few years ago and I, I, that was incredible. That was on the list. I would say a lot of parts of Europe I haven't explored. I've been to a few, but, um, now they're on the East coast. That's, oh, you know what? South, like, uh, African safari. I take that back. That's the top of the list. All right. Um, call me. I'll send you pictures. You gotta go. Okay. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Whatever and, anybody and tells you, it's only 50% of what you'll enjoy when you go. Yeah, yeah, that was an easy answer. I made it hard. African safari. And of course, Andy's been there. So Andy, where where are you going? Well, um, I'm, I'm a fisherman. I was just in Vancouver fishing a month ago. I want to go to the Christmas Islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean um, and fish for a week. Not the Hanukkah Islands? Nah. <laughs> Uh, or, or Long Island, where I came. Or the Long Island. Uh, I'll be there tonight. Favorite stadium you've been to as a fan, not one you've worked in. Uh, me, Maracanã Stadium in Brazil, in front of a hundred and fifty thousand crazy soccer fans. I'm going to take the stadium as a sort of a general um, Augusta National. I just think as a collection of experiences there's nothing like it on the on the planet yeah golf golf can be a stadium we'll call we'll call it that yeah. 
Uh, uh, sandwiches, baby. That's what you gotta have. Incredible. Favorite place in Athens and Wade. This is kind of a cheat question for you since you're from there, but favorite place in Athens. Uh, Three Roxbury Drive. I spent 18 years there. I love that place very dearly, but um, I just, the Convocation Center. I grew up going to games there, going to practices there with Larry Hunter coaching, spent time with my um, parents there, played basketball there in high school and part of college. Like it's, I have so many, the smell of the convo, um, I will remember the day I die, until the day I die. And I know how to sneak in there. I've done it with my wife. And that was like, I think my crowning achievement. I knew how to get into the convo when it was locked. Uh, the beautiful Hocking River, which made me think about the opportunities to come because it's always flowing, um, giving me ideas for the future. <laughs> so crystal clear too. Crystal clear. Favorite restaurant in Athens? <laughs> That's an oxymoron. They've gotten some good ones now. Um, it depends on, I mean, I love, I love Bagel Street. Um, that's a big one when I'm back. Casa Nueva, though. I mean, that's just a... a could, also be a could also be a late night thing as well, Wade. Oh, could always, you know, burrito buggy. I'll go Casa. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I'm getting a slice or whatever, that's, that's you know, there's lots of, lots of options, but I'll go Casa. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, near the dorm that I lived in the first year, Bob's Big Boy. Yeah. I know it. Classic. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get a student to respond to see if that one's still there. But um, Wade, Andy, appreciate it as always. Great to have you on, uh, Bobcats. Uh, the family talking about your journeys, uh, lessons learned along the way. So thank you and appreciate the time on the Life After Court Street series. You got it. Everybody be well and uh, go Bobcats. See you in Athens soon. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.